Whenever you're going to make a decision, you need to begin to question the decision. So today, our final two questions are the wisdom question. And the wisdom question is, what's the wise thing to do? And the relationship question will also be spoken about this morning. And, what, and that question is, what does love require of me? And if you go back to week one, the question that we asked was the, the integrity question. Am I being honest with myself? Really? Then the wisdom decision was, I will not lie to myself even when the truth makes me feel bad about myself. Then we have the legacy question. We spoke about that uh, last week. And the, and the conscience question. What story do I want to tell? And the wisdom decision is, I will decide a story I am proud to tell. I will not decide anything that makes me a liar for life. The conscience question is simple. Is there a tension that deserves my attention and the decision from the tension from the conscience question is i will pause even when i can't pinpoint the cause of my hesitation i will explore rather than ignore my conscience and so we have come to the final two questions uh i don't know about you but but when i drive uh i have a different law that works in my mind uh, and the law says, in, the law in my mind says, if it says 50, I'm allowed to go 60. Right? Because my mind tells me that 10 over the limit is grace. And the police will not ticket me. I don't know if you also feel that way. It's not in the law. That you're supposed to drive 16 or 50. I know you think it is legal. But it is illegal. But I like to do it. Because I always think. I assume. That if police stop me. They're going to show me grace. They don't have to. But life is like that for most of us. It's in our nature to get away with what we can get away with. That, that's, that's human nature, especially human sinful nature. We try to, if we can get away with it, we get away with it. So if we believe we can get away with the, the 10 uh, kilometers, uh, 10, uh, 10, 10 kilometers, right? Right, per whatever. We, we try to get away with it. If you can get away with being late, you turn up 10 minutes late. We never try to go below what is required. We always try to go overboard, but not far enough overboard. We just want to go far, so far, but not too far. We want to go... You, you know they have this secular song that says, You're dancing... 
kind of real close, a little bit too close. We want to get close enough to the border, but we don't want to go over. You understand me? We want to get as close to the chalk, the chalk mark, but as long as we don't go over it, we are cool. We like to live life on the edge. To get as close as, as close to the line as possible. Close to the edge. We're like Adam and Eve. Have you ever wondered what were they doing near the tree? Because human nature says, listen, we can't go near the tree. We're not going to eat off the tree. Hello? We know we're not supposed to. But we can't go close to it. Didn't he say we can't look? I can look at the tree and know that I won't eat if I go close. So let me see how close I can go without eating from the tree. So here's what the text says. It says, verse 5, They will keep you from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman, with her seductive words. Adulterous woman here is speaking about that thing that you want that keeps seducing you. It's not just the woman. It could be, it could be ice cream. It could be certain websites. It could be a certain people. That's your, what is your seductive woman? Or your adulterous woman? What is that thing that keeps using seductive words? Is it chocolate? Oh, just, just a little bit more of the chocolate. You won't put, Listen, you're going to get off that weight. You think one bar of chocolate is going to put on many pounds? It speaks to you. You go in the supermarket and chocolate is whispering seductive words. Come over here. You're in the wrong aisle. Come to me. <laughs> right, right. At the window, it says, at the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her house. Walking along in the direction of her house. Why have you ready read this? Why did you go in that direction? Because assumption. We like to make assumptions. If it is not wrong, it's alright. You know? Most of us believe if something is not wrong, it's alright to do. If it's not over the line. It's all fine. How low can I go? You know? How close can I get to bad without being bad? How far can I go without getting caught? How long can I neglect my whatever that is without consequences? How many times can I do this without becoming addicted? We go from what's wrong with this to how did I get myself into this. It's kind of funny how these things are. That you start out believing that because it is not wrong, it must be right to do. And that's a lie. And that's one of the things the enemy uses to fool us. There are certain, some things that keep saying this. 
You hear me say it over and over. There are some things that are right to do, but you're not supposed to do them. And when you live your life on the edge, you move from what's wrong with this to a place where you get so addicted to it. You begin to say, how did I get myself into this? Verse 10 of that same, our text says, Then came out a woman to meet me, dressed like a prostitute, and with crafty intent. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Listen to this. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. In other words, nobody has to know. We keep it on a down low. Says, verse 21, verse 21, it says, With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierced his liver. And I pierced his liver like a bird darted into a snare, like knowing it will cost him his life. Then it says, verse 25, verse 25. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Let me say that again. Stray into her paths. The problem is to go, don't even get on the path. Don't go in that direction. In other words, don't get to the place. Just avoid the whole path to the place. We think we can go on the path and don't get to the place. It don't work. Here's how I know. If you see a toddler crawling to the pool, creeping to the pool, do you wait until they get in the pool? You know why? No, you don't. Why? Because the path, you know where the path lead to. You, so you go and stop them on the path because the path is the problem. So it is the problem of the path that we want to deal with this morning. We want to get off the wrong path and get on the right one. Lead us in the paths of righteousness. For your name's sake is at the end of that. In other words, we want to be on the right path so we can end up in the right place. Because if you're on the wrong path, you're going to end up in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. You don't want to be that toddler who is allowed to go where you say, okay, well, they're just heading to the pool. They're not going to drop into it. Don't work that way. Proverbs 9, sorry, Proverbs 3, 9 to 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? Acknowledge him and he shall direct your... God wants to direct your path. The problem is the path, people. Proverbs 4 verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. The problem is the path. If you're on the wrong path, 
you're going to end up in the wrong place. By wrong path, I mean, I can go this close to it without touching it. I can go this close without going into the house. I can go, I can go this close. No, we, we can be in the same room. We can be doing all this stuff, but we're not going to go past it. No, 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 no. Don't, don't even get there. You see, the enemy, the enemy is not just going to take you up and throw you in. He's going to lead you on a path to the place. Because the longer you travel on the path, it's the more comfortable you get with where you're going. So he wants you to become so comfortable with the path that you end up in the place. And God is saying, listen, come off the path. So what is the material question? What's the wise thing to do? I know it's not wrong, but is it wise? That's what you have to ask yourself. Is this the wise thing to do? Even if it is right, is it wise? You see, your greatest regret was preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Not necessarily wrong decisions. And I need, I, need, I need you to remember this. That in our lives, most of our regrets were preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Not necessarily wrong decisions. Nothing was wrong with what you did. It just wasn't the wisest thing to do. But looking back, there were a series of unwise decisions that paved the path to your regret. Ephesians 5, 5 to 17 says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. So Paul is encouraging us to be, to be wise. You must be wise, not just be right. We, 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 we fight to be right. Even if we are being unwise. And Paul is saying that. Outside of being right. Choose to be wise. He says. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish. But understand. What the Lord's will is. So be careful how you live. Not as uh, not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful. It means be vigilant. It means don't be careless. Don't be unthinking. Don't be casual. You don't drift into the, uh, onto the wise path. You have to be deliberate. If you want to walk on the wise path, you have to be deliberate. You have to be careful. You have to be vigilant because careless, unthinking and casual people don't walk on the wise path. It says make the most of every opportunity. It means invest your time wisely. Make the most of your time in a way that, that, that propels you toward your vision. Make the most of your time. 
If you watch the wrong thing, you're going to think the wrong thing. And if you think the wrong thing, you're going to do the wrong thing. If you hear the wrong thing, you're going to think the wrong thing. And if you think the wrong thing, you're going to do the wrong thing. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So make the most of your time. The time you're doing all the social media stuff. Fully filling your life with all the garbage and junk of the world. Maybe you should read a book about the vision that God has in your life. Time you listen to Britney Spears and Bruno Mars and um, I don't even know the rest of them names. Listen, you listen something that's going to feed into the vision that God has on your life. Because as you think, so are you. And what you're getting to think on is coming through your ear gate and your eye gate. Invest your time wisely. Says the days are evil. The days are evil. Everything out there is evil all around. Our culture is set us set up to take us down. It is counting on you being careless and carefree. That's how society is. Society is set up to take you down. The culture is set up to take you down. It's counting on you to be careless and to be carefree. So that's why you, you should filter your choices through this question so you can get on the wise path. What is the question? What's the wisest thing to do? Scripture also says, therefore don't be foolish, but understand what his will is for our life. Don't approach life as if you don't know what is really going on. Don't play games. Don't pretend to be ignorant. Don't rationalize your unwise decisions. Ask the question, face the answer. Be real. Be real with yourself. So you have heard me say this many times. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams... What is the wise thing for me to do? If you're, if you're a teenager, I want you to write that down. If you're a young adult, I want you to write it down. I want you to remember that. The next decision you have to make, ask yourself this. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wisest thing for me to do? There are some things that are okay, with, are, are, are okay to do when you're single that you can't do when you're married. Right? There are some things that you do when you're married that you can't do when you're single. Then, then you have the dynamics of children. There are some things you can do when you don't have a child that when you have ch- a child you can't do. There are certain things that you could do when you are 10 and under. But when you are 15 and over, you can't do. Current circumstances, past experience, future hopes and dreams. Past experience. You have a history of specific temptations. Specific addictions. Specific attractions. And specific blind spots. You know like people say you're, you're a sucker for this or that or whatever. Therefore, what's okay for everybody else may be off limits for you. 
Let me say it again. It's quite okay for some people to drink a Heineken. It's not okay for you. Because when you drink, you drink. And drink. And drink. And drink. And drink. And you get drunk. Nothing is wrong with drinking. But it's not wise for you based on past experience. Based on past experience, certain places are okay for everybody else to go. But they are off limits for you. You see, in light of your past experience, what's the wise thing for you to do? Here's what happened to me. When, when I went to camp, one of the things I did, I threw away all my secular music. Like, I, I mean, I, I got out, out through, throw, throw them away after this camp, and then some way after six months after camp, I started gathering more, go to camp again, and then throw them away. All right? Here's the point. I knew that music was influencing my way of life. So I had to get rid of them. Now, I have secular music. It doesn't bother me the same way it bothered me when I was a teenager. Oh, we understand me. There was an influence that it had on me in my younger years that I had to stop listening to them. Here's one of the other things that I, do, I did. I had to come out of my room and basically stay where my grandmother was sleeping. So that, I, because I, I, never, I never heard about porn and those things. And then I started going to church and started hearing about porn. And people started saying, hey, you need to watch it. Right? And this, I watched it once. And I said, I ain't watching anymore. You know what I did? I, put, I moved the TV. And I put it in my grandmother's room. And I stayed in there. You know you can't watch certain things on TV. When you're sleeping with your grandmother. But I have a TV in my room now. Because nothing is wrong with TV. But what was the wisest thing to do at that time? See, Christianity is a personal relationship. There are some things the Holy Spirit convicts you of that isn't for everyone else. And too often what we believe is that if everybody else is doing it, I need to do it too. Though the Holy Spirit has placed a conviction on your life. Amen? So what could possibly be a setup for your downfall? Understand what the Lord's will is. Current, current circumstances. Never make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. I hope you're learning something this morning. Never make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. Circumstances will change. You don't want to make a lifetime decision and then the circumstances change. That is why you're, even with marriage, if you marry somebody because them shape good right now, that's a permanent decision based on a temporary circumstance. They will not look that way 
forever. In light of my current state of mind, what is the wise thing to do? If you just go out of a relationship, wait, not because it is the right thing to do, but because it is the wise thing to do. See, you get out of a relationship. Don't, don't, don't make a permanent decision to get into a next relationship. Not because it is wrong, but it's just not wise. Right? Uh, future hopes and dreams. Your vision should determine your decisions. So, for my young people, if you're young, and, well, and, and the older folks as well, and the not so old folks, you need to have a vision for your life. A God-given vision. That way you know that, no, that doesn't tie into my vision, so I can't make that decision. There are certain things the church doesn't do because it doesn't tie into the vision of the church. That's not our vision. So if you don't have a vision, you are prone to make many wrong decisions. You have to have a vision. And then your vision should determine the decisions that you make. When you want to be, where, where do you want to be in five years? Should decide what you do today. Alright, oftentimes you hear people say, Oh, I want to be a doctor in five years time. And they ain't going to school. You're going to be a bush doctor. Well, in five years' time, um, I want to have my own car. Do you have a bank account? Not yet. Well, <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Say, so you want a car. In the next five years, your decision today should probably to be get, get a job. I'm saying, get a driver's license. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he." Perish means cast off, restrain. It also means have no discipline. Where you have no vision, you have no discipline. Where you have, it also means they are careless. Where you have no vision, you are considered a careless person. Perish, sorry, perish means, the people perish mean you're careless. Perish also means you go with the flow. Where there is no vision, you go with the flow. Where there is no vision, you get careless. Where there is no vision, you have no discipline. Where there is no vision, you cast off restraint. You have to have vision. If you don't have any vision, then you're not going to have any discipline. You're going to do whatever. That's what it means. Miles Monroe says this, the late Miles Monroe said this, self-development demands self-discipline. And you need vision to have discipline in your life. There are certain things that people ain't going to get me to do because I have a vision for my life. Like you can't get me to invest my money in Ponzi scheme and all of those things. That's not my, my vision is not to get rich. My vision is not to get rich quick. So you, uh, you can't tell you can't give me lot of numbers. Because you don't line up with my vision. Listen, 
My vision, listen, you can't get me to leave my family and go and work overseas. That don't tie up with my vision. Because my vision is to be a part of my wife's life and my son's life. That, that's my vision. Your vision is different. But my vision allows me to make certain decisions in the now. In light of where you want to be financially in five years, what's the wise thing to do now? How should you spend now? How should you save now? How should you invest now? Write the vision down. If you don't decide where you're going to be, someone else will decide it for you. Because the days are evil. If you don't know where you're going, somebody will take you where they are going. Because the truth is, we all going to end up somewhere. Because there's no place called nowhere. So you're either following you or somebody taking you to go where probably you don't want to be. Single people, in light of what you want relationally, romantically, what is the wisest way to conduct your relationship? Develop yourself. Spend your time. That's the question you have to ask if you're a single. If you're married, for the married people, do you plan to go the distance with your spouse? What's the wisest thing to do now for that dream? In light of my past experience, present circumstances, future hopes and dreams, I will do the wise thing. Come on, say that with me. In light of my past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, I will do the right thing, a wise thing. Even at home, I want to say that. In light of my past experiences, present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, I will do the wise thing. Amen? Amen. The second question we're going to answer, we have around 15 minutes to go through this, so bear with me, is the relational question. What does love require of me? When you're making a decision, you have to ask that. What does love require of me? This is the toughest question of all. The other questions serve my best interest, but this question serves the interest of others. The other questions benefit me, this one benefits others. The other questions give you a guaranteed return on investment, this question may not work. You may not see any outcome because it's not about making your life better. It's about making someone else's life better. Because of that, we'll resist answering this question honestly because it means sacrificing something. But of all the questions, this is the one God wants us to wrestle with the most. What does love require of me? In other words, in every decision that you make, you must be guided by the love for God and love for people. Let me say it again. No matter what you're doing, if it's buying something, consider people and God. It must be, this question must be the guide. 
if you go make better decisions. Because if you are guided by love, if you are being a blessing to God and others, then it will work for your good in the long run. Amen? See, that's why Jesus gave us a new commandment. A new commandment. It's in John 13 from verse 34 to 35. It says, a new commandment I give to you. Can you imagine? Jesus comes and all of these commandments were here. And he just turns up on the scene and says, Hey, I have a new commandment for you. I have a new commandment for you. I have a new commandment for you. They must have been thinking, this must be the most complex uh, command of all, the most difficult. Oh my God, we may not be able to do this. And he just breaks it down simply by saying, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And then he says, as I have loved you. Like, that's, that's it right there. How do you love people? The way God loves you. How should we love? Not the way we think we should love, but the way God has loved us. He says, as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. says, by this, not how well dressed we are, not how good we sound when we preach, not by the position we have in church or the titles we have, not by the amount of money we possess and the kind of cars we drive or the house we live in, although all those things are good, not, not because of how good our marriage may look, nor our children may be su- successful, no, it says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Like, that's a new commandment. That's it right there. That's like New Testament covered. If you want to read the New Testament, that's it right there. Bam. You could read the te- New Testament every day. That's it right there. We think of the cross. They think of how he called them and treated them. See, that's the thing. When we think about Jesus, we think about the cross, right? What he did on the cross. Here's what the people thought about. How he treated them and how he called them. That's what disciples, because he was speaking to disciples. You see, the one defining characteristic of his disciples was to be love. That's it. Jesus says, the, the one thing that will let people know that you are my disciple is L-O-V-E. That's it. Not the miracles, not the signs, not the wonders, not the titles. Love. L-O-V-E. How many of you know the golden rule? What, what's the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Amen. That, that's very good, right? But I'm going to give you the platinum rule. How many of you know the platinum rule? So there is a golden rule that is good, but I'm going to give you the platinum rule that is excellent. The platinum rule is do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. That's what I want us to live by. I want us, hey, I want, come on, come on. I want us to skip the golden rule. And go to the platinum rule. 
do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. Can, can, can you do that? Alright, how many of you prefer the golden rule? The golden rule is kind of cool, you know. Yeah, well, if you box me, I box you back. The platinum rule says, well, if you box me, what would Jesus do? He would just turn the other cheek. Ha! <laughs> really now? Yeah, but, but, but that's it. Do unto others as Jesus has done unto you. So what does love require of me? That's the question, right? What does love require of me? have to ask that. In dealing with your family, your friends, your co-workers, what does love require of me? It should inform how we date, parent, lead, manage, and coach. It, it should form a boundary around what we say and do as spouses and co-workers. What does love require of me? What does love require of you? It's a question that gives clarity to the past that leads to relational health but doesn't guarantee the other person will choose to walk it with you. So what does love require of me is not dependent on if you are going to do it. I'm going to do what love requires of me even if you are doing what hate requires of you. In other words, listen, if you're a hater, I'm going to do what love requires of me. Do you hear me? If, if, if you're a hater, if you're an enemy, I'm going to do what love requires of me. So when I'm sure of what to say or do, ask what love requires of you. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Here's what you do. What does love require of me? Somebody just rub you the wrong way. Before you respond, ask what does love require of me? Somebody just bad drive you before you utter a word. Ask, what does love require of me? You understand me? They just fired you because somebody told a lie on you. Ask this question. What does love require of me? You think you have been working very hard and you made one very simple request. Everybody else made it. They got it and they said that they ain't going to give you your request. You ask a simple question before you respond. What does love require of me? Your husband treat you bad. Here's before you get back and into how you're going to treat him. Ask this question. What does love require of me? Your wife uh, treats you bad and, and you're about to get mad or respond in a way stop and ask what does love require of me you don't think your parents are doing what they're supposed to do before you act anyway ask what does love require of me so what does that look like I'm going to now show us what love requires and you all know this you all know we all know Hip, hip, hooray. It's a good thing that I don't have to tell you. Because you all know. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. We all know it. We know it, right? 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians what? 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. 
and though i have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though i have all faith so that i could remove mountains but have not love i am nothing and though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though i give my body to be burnt but have not love it profits me nothing then it begins to tell you what love require of you so let me give you them right it's right there in the notes you're going to love this love is patient love requires patience <laughs> so when the person taking long love requires patience i'm telling you people in these times if you're married you 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 have to be patient i'm telling you if you have patience issues you either get married to learn it or you don't get married because it's going send you to a place of no recovery hallelujah jesus love is patient it requires us to be pay, to show patience it is not pushy love requires that i move at your pace rather than require you to move at mine i'm learning this like for the person who knows what love require of them hurry up is not a, in their vocabulary if hurry up is in your vocabulary you need to ask the question what does love require of me Hurry up. <laughs> Amen. Love is kind. Simple put, love requires kindness. Kindness is love's response to weakness. Kindness is the decision to loan others our strength rather than reminded them of their weakness. That's kindness. What kindness says is that listen, I'm going to lend you some strength. Doing for others what they cannot in that moment do for themselves. That's kindness. Love requires that I'm going to do for you. I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm loaning you some strength. Because you can't do this now. I'm going to come in and help you. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to tear you down. I'm going to build you up. That's what love requires. Here here's the thing. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. Love requires us to keep envy and pride from interfering with our ability to celebrate the success of others. If you find like Lord of mercy, boy everybody, everybody in our church have house now. I'm feeling adequate. Listen. What does love require of you, man? Everybody I go college and and one look pump poor look at me That's envy Love requires us to allow others to shine It isn't threatened by the success of others It means that like you go into college yeah I'm happy You got a house yes I'm happy I mean I, I live in a in a box but but I'm so happy for you. 
It's not time for me to say, well, uh, well, why, uh, oh, something, boy, uh, I went, gotta go take me out of me old box. That's envy. I'm telling you. Love requires us to allow others to shine. Listen, it does not dishonor others. Love never dishonor people. Love requires us to show honor to others. Love never treat another person dishonorably, disgracefully, or indecently. Love doesn't create regret. After all, honor is at the heart of every satisfying relationship. Here's a good one. Here's a good one, right? This is good. This is good. This, this is good for me. It is not easily angered. Love requires us to address our anger privately rather than allowing it to spill out on the people around us. Love requires us to own it and work on it. It is not easily stirred up or provoked. Instead, love absorbs. So, walk away from trouble. Oh, what are some? Hey, listen, some of these old time songs are very good, you know. Walk away from trouble if you can. I promise to do. I, I don't even know it. Yeah, it's Kenny Rogers. Oh, I thought it was gospel. You know, same thing. <laughs> I thought it was gospel. Sorry. Did I get you singing? Or something? Walk away from trouble. Amen. That's the line. That's the line, people. That the whole song. I don't know the rest of it. But that line is good. Right. Sometimes you have to walk away from those angry moments. And go and deal with it privately. Bite your tongue. Count to a billion. Because when you count to ten, you just a boil up. Keep counting. <laughs> Listen, this is good, church. It keeps no record of wrongs. It simply means no matter what, love requires us to forgive. You know what is funny thing about record keepers? They never keep track of their own records. You check record keepers, they have no records of themselves. Right? That, that's the truth. People who don't forgive people don't keep record of who they need to forgive. When someone holds your past over you, who is who is in the elevated position? Love is not about pouring up. Love is about pouring down. A couple more. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes and always perseveres. Love requires us to see and believe the best. While choosing to downplay the rest. Love chooses a generous explanation when others don't meet our expectations. I want, I want you to remember this. I, 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 you have heard me say it. Where experience don't meet expectation, 
fill the gap with trust. Give people the benefit of the doubt. So let me read that for you again. Love requires us to see and believe the best while choosing to don't play the rest. Love chooses a generous explanation when others don't meet our expectation. So the next time the person turn up late, it's not because they're my time waster. The next time they promised you something and they never delivered, don't bother getting answer them steer. No. Give a generous explanation. We want others to treat us this way. So why shouldn't we be required to treat them this way? What does love require of you? What does love require of you? Here's a relationship decision. Just say it with me. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. I will decide with the interests of others in mind. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I hope you learned something this morning. I hope you learned something from this series what's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now in light of your past experience your present circumstances and future hopes and dreams is there a, is there a wise decision you need to make before you leave here today before you close out and you sign out on our online feed given your relationships is love requiring you to do something today? So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Before I pray, let me just say this. The most important decision you can make is accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Love required him to give his life for you. Wisdom requires that you give your life to him. Maybe you need to recommit your life to him. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you have made some poor decisions, unwise decisions, wrong decisions. But you're still hoping the Lord. Because God is love. And while there is love, there is hope. Based on your past experience, your present circumstances, your future hopes and dreams. Is there a wise decision you need to make here today? What does love require of you? I want you to challenge yourselves with these questions this week. I want to challenge you every day for this week. You take this poster and you look at these five questions. I want you to look at them and I want you to challenge yourself every day to consider them every time you face a decision. Maybe you need to write them on some smaller little um, index cards so you can have them to walk around with to remind yourself. 
That's how important a thing this is to all of us. So let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you. God, we realize this morning that even some right things are not the wisest things to do. As Proverbs 3 says, that we are to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, He will direct our path. Lord, we want to walk the paths of righteousness. We don't want to walk on the path to that adulterous woman, that that, that sinful situation where the seductive words, the crafty intent, and the smooth talk will pull us away. God, let us, like the toddler who is creep into that pool we don't wait until they get into the pool we stop them while they are on the path God we stop on the path that's leading to sin we turn we navigate ourselves away from that path and we we, we follow your leading to the path of righteousness let us always consider what love requires of us. For you gave us a new commandment. That we love one another. As you have loved us, so we should love one another. Because it is by this that the world will know that we are your disciples. Even when we are in the most hated environment, may we love. When we are in the most persecuted environment, May we love like you love. Not how people love us, but the way you have loved us, eternal God. Let us remember the platinum rule. That we will do unto others as Christ has done unto us. Let us treat people the way you treat us. And oh, how this place, this world, this country would be a better place. Our homes, our communities, our offices would be better if we treated people with the same love you treat us with. Lord, we thank you. God, we bless you. We honor you. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, just clap your hands for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to ask you to stand up before we close out. We're going to sing that song we did at first called You Keep Hope Alive. And I want you to sing it this morning for all of those persons. I want us to worship God with this song. For all of those persons right now who are probably battling and think like, you know, there is no hope. There is no reason to keep fighting. There is no reason to keep believing persons who have lost loved ones and they're going through the hardship and the tough times Let, let's, let's just sing this song of worship and encourage them because we believe that the power of God transcends walls and boundaries and borders and wherever they are this morning as we sing in worship and adoration to God we believe that there's a, 
there's a moving of the spirit that will take place that will bring new hope to them right now so with everything that is within you in your homes this morning i want you to join us in worship and i want you to begin to lift your voice right now and begin to pray for somebody and come on just take a just take a, a minute right now and pray for somebody and encourage them in the lord just call your name before the lord and say god i lift up this sister I lift up this brother and pray for hope for them right now come on open your mouth and we think about it with brother chilton's sister in the hospital and sister crystal is a father who is in the hospital come on just pray for somebody right now pray that they'll be encouraging your spirit that they would believe in god that they'll continue to trust and hope in god come on just continue to pray just god pray hope pray hope pray hope in the name of jesus in the name of jesus so 